The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Sun's down, lights up, and cars are rolling. 2.5 miles in length, it is fast. The final race of the NASCAR regular season under the lights of Daytona. Hi, everyone, and welcome to NASCAR America Motormouth. We have got an awesome show on tap for you tonight. We've got a couple of cup drivers in Tyler Reddick and Ryan Priest joining us. We also have Mike Bagley, who's going to hit us on the phone line. And then finally, we're going to pay a nice tribute to our dear friend, Robin Miller. But of course, we want to hear from you, so don't be shy. Make sure you call in if you want to talk to any of us or to one of our guests at 844-NASCAR-NBC. I'm Kelly Stavis, joined by the Hall of Famer, Dale Jarrett, and of course, Nate Ryan. And guys, it all comes down to this. One <laughs> last final race of the regular season at Daytona. Can you think of a better place to end the regular season and just stir up the drama as if we needed more, Dale? Oh, no. You know, this is exactly <laughs> why NASCAR put this race in this position. You know, I think it's... Uh, and Jeff Burton and I were talking uh, on Monday on the show that, you know, whenever this was put into place, this is exactly why. Uh, because you want this uh, at the end of the regular season. Uh, you want that opportunity at a track that literally anybody that's in the field uh, feels like they have an opportunity and a chance to go win the race. That's not saying it's not hard to do uh, because it is very difficult, but, but it gives that opportunity there. So we don't know really what the playoffs may look like until the checkered flag waves. Yeah, I had Burton on the NASCAR NBC podcast that just posted today, and he said one word to describe Saturday night, chaotic. And yeah. I think that's absolutely right. I mean, there's going to be so many different agendas going on between the playoff drivers, regular season title fight between Kyle Larson and Denny Hamlin. Uh, obviously, Tyler Reddick versus Austin Dillon is going to be fascinating to watch. And they have so many different agendas, but yet the the goals, I think, are similar in that points and track position are just going to be so important. And they don't pay points on every lap, but I think it's going to feel that way for 400 yeah, sure. miles at Daytona. And you couple all that with the fact that they're racing with a new rules package that they haven't seen before with no practice. Yeah. Uh, I think it's just going to be two to three hours of complete chaos. Yeah, and I'll throw desperation in there as another word to, sure. to add to that. And it's the desperation that creates that havoc that, yeah. that uh, Jeff Burton's talking about. Well, because when we lay it out there, 15 of the 16 playoff spots are secured with just one remaining. And as you guys mentioned, it comes down to Tyler Reddick, Austin Dillon, if someone will get in on points. And there is only 25 points separating them. So if you're Tyler Reddick and you've got that points cushion, DJ, <laughs> how do you race this one? Oh, th yeah, this is totally, in my opinion, the way that he should race it is something that's totally out of his character uh, because when we say Tyler Reddick, we all think of hanging it out every single lap, going as hard as you can possibly go, and he could go do that. Mm -hmm. uh, but is he putting himself in a really bad 
position uh, to, to possibly have something to happen in stage one or stage two that kind of hands things over to his teammate, who still would have to go get the job done, uh, but it, it could be the end of, of him thinking about that. So I think that, that Tyler Reddick has to do something very uncharacteristic of him, and that is just kind of hang out and, and watch this race unfold and get into the final stage of the race and, and then go see what you have to do. Is there someone that is going to be from the outside, not even Austin Dillon, his teammate, that's going to be from the outside that's running so good that they've been up leading laps and it's going to force his hand to go up there and be this aggressive guy. So uh, he's got a lot. In in my opinion, he's in the most difficult position of any other driver in this entire race. Well, as much as I respect your opinion, why don't we just go to the source? I feel like (laughs) this is a good time to bring in the man, Tyler Reddick. Tyler, I don't know if you got to hear what all DJ said about how he thinks maybe you should approach this race. What are your thoughts still with a couple days to go ahead of the last regular season at Daytona? Well, I would uh, I would agree it's a very difficult place to be because uh, in, in the past, or, or last year when I did this, I had nothing to lose. So it's like, oh, well, if I crash, oh, well. And unfortunately, I did crash, and I took out a lot of cars with me. But, yeah, you have everything to lose, all a full season's worth of of good runs. I mean, sitting 11th in points right now, regular season points anyways, like we've dug our way out of a hole that we started the year in and all, it all comes to one race at Daytona, a super speedway race, um, you know, in the heat of the summer at night, you know, all those things, all the things that add just excitement and, and intensity to an event. Tyler, I'd say, how concerned are you with basically a rules package that you haven't raced? And how do you anticipate that changing the way that that the racing might unfold on Saturday night? Well, everyone's going to be kind of starting from from scratch, going right into into the green flag on Saturday in our event. Uh, So... Yeah, you know, we, we are going to have the, the wicker bill, or I think that's what they're calling it, on the back of the spoiler. And, you know, we're going to have a smaller, or a, I might mess this up. We're going to have a larger restrictor plate. There's going to be less less air getting into the engine. So we're going to be making less power. So everyone's going to be kind of having to figure out how the cars are going to draft, how much are they going to be, you know, are the cars going to be under more control? Are they, are we going to be packed up tighter together than we already are? There's going to be a lot of things that, the entire field is going to, have to be figuring out in the beginning of this race. And not to mention guys like my teammate, Austin Dillon are going to be having to try and go up there and get stage points. And other drivers that uh, from, from 18th on back in, in the points are going to be just trying to set themselves up to win the race. So we got a lot of things to keep our eyes on, but uh, you know, us as well, we have a car to figure out and understand is our car where we want it to be for the end of the race. And uh, are we going to be able to go up there and, and get stage points or, or, you know, how exactly we go about it. It's all going to unfold and our direction's going to be set for the most part, initially anyways, uh, off of those initial laps with this new new package that we will super speedway race, if you will. Yeah, there's a lot to get on top of there, Tyler, and obviously a lot of pressure. Uh, I've heard athletes in other professional sports that say that, you know, when the, the game's on the line, they want the ball uh, in their hands. They want to be able to make that play. You're in that situation somewhat here in that you're, you're in that last provisional spot right now. How do you feel about pressure going into a race like this? Is it something you embrace? Is it a privilege? As I've heard some people say that you're kind of in this position. Is that the sort of the way you deal with it? Well, it is a pressure filled moment for sure, but it isn't anything to be stressed about. This is something we've been working towards all year long. Um, being able to be on the plus side of the cut line 
going into Daytona. We just didn't want to be the last car in plus 25 going in into this race, but that's kind of the way it unfolded. But, you know, uh, we've had a good year up until this point. We've been able to outperform um, a lot of the teams that, that are going to be needing a win um, this this Saturday. But it is a super speedway race. There's a lot of drivers behind the cut line that have found victory lane on super speedways. Again, I have not in the cup series. Uh, my teammate, Austin Dillon, has, has done really well in super speedways with RCR. And there's other drive, drivers like Stenhouse, Eric Jones. Uh, I could go down the list. And then you got aggressive guys like Ross Chastain, Daniel Suarez, there, there's and Matt Benedetto. So a lot of drivers with nothing to lose that are going to be doing everything that they can at the end of the race. Uh, so it's it's not an easy spot to be in. But everything we've done all year long um, has been has been good, and we've been able to, to get the job done. So this isn't like a, you know, hit the panic button, change up everything we've done uh, type of weekend approach. We just need to go in there and do our normal deal. We just got a couple more things to keep our eyes on uh, as the race goes. Tyler, this is a race that typically requires a lot of teamwork at various points. Um, I want to know at what point is it each man for his own? Because it's not even just your RCR teammate, Austin Dillon, but you've got some Chevy teammates that I assume you'll be wanting to work with at some times, but who are also going to be trying to steal that playoff spot from you. How do you balance that? It's definitely a tough spot to balance. Um, but what's important to remember here is that above all else, you know, it's still really important to make sure that RCR is still in the playoffs. You know, I would love for it to be me and my, my team with this eight car, but it's still very important that if I can't get the job done and make the playoffs that, that Austin still is able to do that. So, um, it's a really tough spot for us because me and Austin can't necessarily help each other. Um, if I help him, I hurt my chance of making the playoffs. So he helps me, you know, the, the, the opposite effect occurs. So it's a, it's a really bad spot for us as teammates to be in at this moment. But we both know that above all else, we still want an RCR Chevrolet to make the playoffs. So we got that's just one more piece of the puzzle we kind of have to, to balance as this goes. All right, it's time now to go to our phone lines because we've got a caller. It's NASCARL. Once again, thanks for calling back in, NASCAR. What's your what's your question for Tyler? Hey, Tyler, good to be talking with you. Uh, well, we DJ's kind of touched on this already. Obviously, the race has got to come to you. But where would you prefer if we want to start the race? Do you want to be in the back to where if the big thing happens, you still set yourself up for a chance? Or do you show that aggression and, hey, I've got the staying power. I want to be up here. How do you approach driving this race? Well, um, the well, the there really isn't an approach at the moment to how we're going to go about the race. A lot of it will um, will take place after those initial laps, after having a feel for the draft, how uh, how well and how well everyone's cars are driving and how stable they are. You know, just in that image you got right there. I mean, I thought we were kind of all good. Everything was fine. The the track w was a lot warmer and did not have quite the the grip in it that. Uh, you know, a lot of the field was expecting to have, so a big crash happened right away. You know, we're going to have less power. We won't have the wicker bill that's on my mud-covered Lenovo Chevy right there, but, you know, uh, it's all going to be based off of how that start and how that race kind of takes place. Um, if everything seems pretty calm and pretty tame, the cars are pretty stable, uh, I'll feel more comfortable moving up to, you know, the front of the, front of the field. But again, it all kind of depends on what Austin's got going on. You know, if Austin's gotten to the front of the field and the cars are driving good. Yeah, we need to probably try and find our way up there and, and get some stage points as well. But if Austin's, you know, not really in contention for stage points and neither are we, you know, the first two stages of the race will kind of be pretty, pretty calm. And then from that point on, 
the can of worms opens and then everyone from from Austin on back is uh you know going to try and lock themselves into the playoffs and we've got to be up there to try and either keep that from happening or or win ourselves Okay, Tyler, so let's move away from that. Let's assume that you're going to make this. You've done a great job of getting yourself in this position, uh, having an outstanding season so far. Uh, let's look ahead to the playoffs, that, that you make the playoffs. Uh, as you look at that first round and, and think about how do you advance past that? Are, are there tracks that you've already kind of uh, put out there that, hey, this is where we really have to, to make things happen? Well, honestly, um <laughs> I, I I know of the playoff tracks, but I believe the first round is Richmond or uh, Darlington, Richmond, Bristol. I think, right? Yeah, I, I, I'm pretty focused on Daytona at the moment, but you know, all three of those tracks for us have been really good, really good venues. Um, Darlington, we didn't we missed the setup a little bit, but our car started off really good. We were running up front. I mean, I feel good about all three of those races. I'm not saying you know I expect to win or anything crazy like that. But the where we've ran compared to the guys that we need to beat to survive the first round of the playoffs, I think we, uh, you know, uh, unless we have something crazy happen, big mistake, crash, I think we'll be in really good shape to, you know, survive the first round of the playoffs if we can just go about uh, that like we have the majority of the season knocking off solid finishes. And all those tracks also, Tyler, are 750 horsepower tracks, which... I presume you're, you're probably a fan of as well. I, I know that you've kind of run better on those this, this season. But to go back to the, the track you were just at, the 550 horsepower track of Michigan, um, I, I assume it's got to be tough when your teammate crashes and you still lose ground somehow. You lose a few points. How, how quickly were you able to put Michigan behind you um, and kind of like not let that hurt your stride? Because I'm, I'm sure that had to, to stick in your craw a little bit that um, Austin crashes and yet you still lose a little bit of ground on him. It certainly does, but uh, what what was important is is just that uh, put it behind you immediately because it's done. It's in the past. Yeah, it was a not the uh, the way we needed that day to go for for the picture of of how we approached Daytona. But once it was once it was a done deal, I mean, you know, it's it's in the past. It's history. We got to move forward and, and start preparing for Daytona. We know what our situation is, twenty five points up. So uh, you know, start getting our plan together, working on our Daytona piece, and getting ready for that race. So. Yeah, you always hate those situations, but again, the the trend and how we've ran all year long, you know, there's it's no reason to uh, get down to the dumps and, and be, you know, uh, I guess what's the word I'm looking for here? Just just torn apart and, and just really stressed about what's coming up on Saturday because again, we've been able to perform really well a lot of this year. We're it's put us above the cut line, and uh, you know, more times than not, we've been able to do the right thing on a lot of these race weekends. So we don't need to to break the you know break open the emergency box and, and bust out the fire extinguisher we'll be fine <laughs> what does the boss man say what does richard childress has he offered any advice or is he he been vocal at all uh with you this week i haven't got to talk to richard much this week um i got to see him a good bit you know saturday and sunday uh which is always great to have you know richard back of the track um but uh you know in moments like these i feel like you know we kind of yeah, if I wanted to call him and talk to him, I know I almost know what he would say, um, and I and I feel like we're all on the same page. We know what we have to do. It's a tough spot for for our cars, but uh, you know I think he he feels strongly that one of us will be able to make it. Both cars are going to be really good. The uh, the car we're bringing had a lot of good speed uh, at Talladega earlier this year, Talladega last year as well. The three quarters of a lap it made without it being crashed. Um, so we we've, we've had good speedway cars in Austin's. 
uh, was really happy with his car at the 500. So we know where we need to be, and uh, having this package change a little bit will we'll be a little bit of a question mark, but we do feel good about our Super Speedway cars for sure. Well, Tyler, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. I don't envy your position come Saturday night, but it's going to be such a treat for the rest of us <laughs> to watch and see how it all plays out. So thank you and, and best of luck down in Daytona. Yeah, thanks. I mean, hey, I, mean, I, could, be, I could be anyone from 18th on back. I would much rather be in my spot than <laughs> yeah. theirs because they only have one option. I have a few at least. Yeah, good point. This good is luck. true. This is true. Thank you. Thanks again, Tyler. All right, Tyler Reddick. I mean, he seems to have a pretty, pretty level head about it all. And I do like, you know, what we just finished on there. He still has options. As much as we feel like it's, you've got to win to get in, he could play this smart, win a couple stages, get a, lot, a bigger points cushion, and he might find himself in a, in a pretty, pretty nice position uh, going into the third stage. Yeah, I, I still do love, I mean, he brings up Richard Childress, the discussion you had with Jeff Burton <laughs> on Monday's Motor Mouths about, you know, um, what happens if these two guys are running one, two, you know, the, the three car of Austin Dillon, the eight car of Tyler Reddick uh, for the win yeah. uh, on, you know, say, lap, I don't know, you know, 155 or something. I mean, it could get very, very interesting <laughs> on Saturday night. Yes, it could. Yeah, I, I just wonder what you do in that situation. If you're Tyler Reddick and you're pushing Austin Dillon to the win, which is going to put him in the playoffs and keep you out. Because if you're on his bumper, you're, you're going to be in. So do you back off? I don't know what you do. I told Jeff Burton after the show, I said, he was like, why, why did you say that you might would back, you know, you wouldn't back off? I said, well, he could cement his time if he wanted to stay at RCR for a long time and he pushed Richard Chilson's grandson into the playoffs. I'd say that he could be there for quite a while. <laughs> Good point. Always thinking ahead, DJ. I like that about you. All right. Uh, much more to come here on NASCAR America Motor Mouse, including a lovely tribute to the late Robin Miller. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Well, many of us woke up to the sad news this morning that our dear friend and colleague Robin Miller had passed at the age of 71, a man who will be dearly missed. We have a nice tribute voiced by Lee Diffie. A true friend always tells you the truth, even when it's hard to hear. And Robin Miller was that friend to open wheel racing. Born in Indianapolis, a native Hoosier, Robin could not wait to be part of the action at a young age. He stooged for Jim Herdebees at the Indy 500, drove USAC midgets in the 70s and 80s, all while covering the racing scene as a newspaper reporter for the Indianapolis Star. 
Robin's style was very matter-of-fact, calling out owners and drivers alike. As long as they keep treating this like a Monopoly game, nobody's going to respect him. But he was always quick to sing the praises of those same people when they earned it. What a future this kid's got. Pretty good way to start his Indianapolis Motor Speedway career. After making his mark as a writer, Robin brought his distinctive storytelling style to broadcasting, flourishing at ESPN, Speed Channel, and who could forget those grid runs with NBC Sports. How is it this guy has a job and I don't? Because <laughs> you took the buyout and I got a lot of debt. Race fans always look forward to whatever Robin would say next, whether it be on air or in his mailbag for Racer Magazine even if they only wanted to passionately disagree. Even if you didn't love Robin, you respected him for speaking the truth. He was the one who pushed us all to make the sport he loved so much better. There's no disputing, he did just that, as only Robin Miller could. Robin Miller, I saw him this morning. This one's for you, baby. We love you, Robin, everything that you do. The Motorsport Hall of Fame inductee fought cancer and leukemia for a lengthy time. He's survived by his sister Diane, her family, and the entire motorsport community. Godspeed, Robin. Well, Robin Miller, certainly one of a kind. Um, I take some solace in knowing just how much that, that weekend, the doubleheader at Indianapolis, meant to him. Um, to being inducted in the Motorsport Hall of Fame, and he got to spend the whole day with A.J. Foyt, among other legends, Mario Andretti, uh, and I know how much that meant to him. Um, on a personal side to me, when I first came on with, with NBC, I didn't know much about motorsports in general and certainly didn't know much about IndyCar racing, and he never held that against me. Instead, he just regaled me with tales from 50 years ago, from 10 years ago, from 5 years ago. He never um, had too little time for you. And his sense of humor was just off the charts. It was wicked. Uh, I never walked away from a conversation with Robin without, without a little chuckle. So that's what he meant to me. I, th I think what I'll remember about him being at Indianapolis Motor Speedway a couple week weekends ago, Kelly, was that they had that really nice tribute for him in the media center. Um, but I think he was more enthused. I mean, I, I'm sure I know he was touched by that. And that meant a lot to him, but I think what might have been the highlight of that weekend was he interviewed Jimmy Johnson mm -hmm. and talked to him about, and we saw Jimmy taking a selfie with him there during that, that wonderful piece, and, you know, Robin asked him about the Indy 500 and, and got to talk to him about all that, and I, that is what the essence of Robin Miller was, you know, constantly talking to all of the big names as we see here, uh, you know, Mario Andretti, A.J. Foy, Johnny Rutherford, Bobby Unser, um, and taking that information and putting breaking news out there, but putting really sharp columns. He pulled no punches. I mean, again, like all the faces we just saw in that video, Dan Gurney, A.J. Foyt, Mario Andretti, he didn't write puff pieces about these guys. That wasn't why they respected him so much um, and considered him a friend. Um, it was because of the respect they had for his journalism and his opinions and the fact that he was always stayed true to what he believed in. And he had a huge legion of fans who read and hung on his every word because of that. And, you know, just to put a NASCAR take on this, because everybody knows what a great IndyCar reporter he was, but I'll never forget, in 2003, he broke three of the biggest stories in NASCAR that year. He broke that RGR was leaving as the title sponsor. He broke that the Southern 500 was moving off of Labor Day uh, from Darlington to Fontana. And he broke that Brian France was taking over at the NASCAR chairman. <laughs> and that, to me, spoke volumes just about the connections and the level of reportage that Robin Miller had in the auto racing industry. He was a giant.
Yeah, I think the word that you just used, respect, is something that when I every time that I saw him, that, that's the first thing that came to my mind, the respect that he had in the world of motorsports. And yes, I know that, that open wheel and IndyCar uh, was his forte, basically, but he knew so much uh, about every single uh, form of motorsports. Uh, he knew the, the people that were in there, and it didn't make any difference what your name was and how successful you were, as you pointed out, he didn't mind uh, being that person that either asked the hard question or said the things that other people were only thinking about saying but wouldn't dare go there. And yeah. I, I had that much respect for him and uh, wish I would have known him even better, but I did enjoy his stories and the things that he had to talk about. And, uh, uh, you know, you, you only come across people like that every so often. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, still, it's someone that will be missed in the world of motorsports. There will never be another no. quite like Robin Miller. Thank you guys. We'll be back. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Back to NASCAR America Motor Mouse, and we are talking Daytona because we've got the last regular season race of the Cup Series coming up this Saturday night. And there is a lot on the line. Just one spot remains to be determined for the playoffs. And you're looking at some of the most recent winners at Daytona. And now we see so many different faces, guys. It kind of just illustrates how wide open. Like Justin Haley, we never saw that coming. Um, Denny Hamlin, he's become a regular there. But the rest of these, it, a lot of them have been surprise winners, some first-time winners. Uh, Michael McDowell, who, who won the Daytona 500 earlier this year and punched his ticket into the playoffs. So I think that really just highlights just how unpredictable oh. this place is. And uh, anything could happen. All right, we're going to go to the phone lines. Next up, we've got Daniel. Daniel, what's your question? Hey, guys, how's it going? Hey, good. How are you doing? Good. Um, I was wondering if you guys think a driver, because we keep talking about Tyler Reddick and Austin Dillon, I was wondering if you guys think like a guy from 20th to 30th in points who would have the best shot to win, like a Anthony Alfredo for a front row sweep into the playoffs or like a Newman, who do you guys think would be like a, a Cinderella story to get it in? I mean, Newman would be certainly jumped yeah. to the top of my list because sure. he's won at Daytona before. Um, he's always good there. He's, you know, he, he could have won the Daytona 500 for a second time a, a couple of years ago when he had the horrible crash in the last lap. And, you know, if you're talking about Cinderella stories, this is a guy who doesn't really know what he's doing yeah. uh, in the future. Doesn't really, he told us at Indianapolis, he doesn't have anything for next season, DJ. And 
Um, he certainly will have a lot of motivation um, to try to win this race. And, you know, as a veteran, a guy, a guy who's been around for, since 2002, he's got the experience level where, you know, you were asking Tyler Reddick about the fact that they're entering this race with no idea how the cars are going to draft. And mm -hmm. we presume they won't suck up as much as they did in the Daytona 500 or at the Talladega race. We presume that it's going to be a little bit harder maneuver and get track position. I'm looking at veterans, if that's the yes. case. If this is more of a track position race, then... He's a guy, I think, who could use his savvy to get up to the, to the front. Yeah, I think you hit on a good point there because the, of this rules package. And there's be so no practice. They don't right. have any idea exactly how these cars are going to react in this situation. So, you know, they're, they're going to be learning in that first stage exactly what they can expect here. So I think experience is going to play a big part of that for drivers that have been through a number of different uh, changes throughout the years uh, at Daytona and Talladega with this. So you look at that. Uh, I, you know, I think if there's a driver that also has motivation, because he really doesn't know what he's doing, uh, Matt DiBenedetto. And right. he's got a fast car. Uh, it could be the Wood Brothers' 100th win sure. um, when you look at all of that. And he's got uh, three sort of teammates that really know how to get the job done uh, with Brad Keselowski and, and uh, Joey Logano and Ryan Blaney. So will they work with him in, in trying to help them? We asked Ryan Blaney that on Monday, and he said, sure. You know, he said, if I'm in that position, you know, I'm more than glad to, to help out uh, Matty D. So that, that's kind of a driver that, even though he might not fit the experience side of it, I think he has enough experience to, to and want to to get the job done. Yeah, and he's not in the top. I think he's in the top 20. Bubba Wallace probably is in that 20th to 30th range that Daniel's yeah. talking about. but. Kind of a parallel situation where a Toyota driver who's got four Joe Gibbs racing teammates who are all locked in, um, there could yeah. be a squadron helping him. And, sure. and we saw him run very well at the Daytona 500 earlier, earlier this year. I think Bob yeah. Wallace could definitely win a super speedway race. I'm going to throw out one other quick name, and then we got to get to Brandon on the phone, which is Ricky Stenhouse Jr., who has, mm -hmm. what, a three three plate wins and has won at Daytona before, so I wouldn't be all that surprised if he, he got it done. Enough? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You know, it seems like checkers are records. All right, let's go to Brandon. Brandon, what's your question? Hey, guys. Um, my question was, since Kyle Larson has been having such an outstanding season, um, not just in NASCAR, but in all forms of racing, should we now start comparing him to, like, an A.J. Foy or an Andretti or a Tony Stewart, or is he just somewhere in a league of his own? Thank you guys for answering my question. I have a controversial opinion, so <laughs> I want the, uh, the Hall of Famer's take on this. <laughs> DJ, this has been... Um, a topic of some debate in the last couple of weeks. Since Kyle Larson won the Knoxville Nationals at Iowa, um, there have been those Foyt and Andretti comparisons, yep. guys who could just jump into anything, pavement, dirt, yep. open wheel stock cars, and win. Um, is it too early to consider Kyle Larson a guy who hasn't won a cup championship to put him in that kind of league? I don't think it's too early, in my opinion. Uh, you know, I said the other week that I compare him. If, I, if I'm looking at somebody, and the most recent would be Tony Stewart. Uh, and I think that he even takes it to another level because he's doing this while he's winning the most races in a NASCAR season, leading the points uh, at this particular time, and, and is the odds-on favorite to, to be the champion at the end of the year. So Tony fits all that, but he's also crossing over and going and winning the biggest races uh, you know, in, in these dirt races. So um, I'm not sure Tony did that while he was doing uh, his NASCAR mm -hmm. thing that much. So, And, and my comparison to for Tony Stewart, when he was racing, was I compared him, I said he's the modern-day A.J. Foyt. So then I could make that comparison with Kyle Larson. 
whatever he gets in doesn't matter where it is and what it's about. Uh, he's going to go give it his best shot, and, and he's going to win more times than he's not. So uh, uh, I think it's a great comparison, and, and we need that to, to talk about. I think that, that diversity uh, certainly helps uh, to, to build not only a fan base, but it, it helps to, to show the, the NASCAR fans that, hey, this guy can, can drive anything, anytime, anywhere. We're not used to seeing drivers of his caliber and on a team like his have the opportunity to go run all these different races. I know yeah. there's yeah. a lot of cup drivers who expressed interest in other series and have been held back for one reason or another by their team. So, um, so it has been really a, a lot of fun to watch. All right, I think it's Margaret. Margaret, are you there? Yeah, this is Marvin. How are you guys? Great. Thank Good. you so much for calling in. Uh, no problem. Uh, first of all, my thoughts and prayers to you guys on the loss is your buddy, Robin Miller. Uh, he's going to be missed uh, by so many, including me. But we're heading to Daytona for the Xfinity boys, and with four races left, who in that um, playoff standing do you see getting a victory or advantage uh, at Daytona this Friday night? Yeah, yeah, that's mess. a good reminder. Even though it's yeah. we're looking to lock in the final playoff spot in the Cup Series, we still have um, some some races to go on the Xfinity Series side. So um, that race also, I mean, just unpredictable and a number of yeah. different winners there in, in the past. <laughs> Does anyone uh, stand out to you, Nate? I mean, it seems like you look at the colleague cars uh, first these right. days at the Super Speedways, DJ. So I mean, I'm sure Almendinger will be in the mix. Justin Haley doesn't have a victory this year. I'm sure that. He'll be running up toward the front as well. At, at, you know, Jeb Burton also. Um, and that, that would probably be where I would start, but I'll defer to you. You're, you're a Daytona Talladega master. You know who, uh, who's the guy to watch. You know, I, I think that you know, first and foremost, you, you have to have the car. And when you look at someone like an A.J. Allmendinger, he has that. He has the experience of doing that. Um, then Austin Sendrick, you know, is going to be fast. Um, I look at Harrison Burton, who does a really good job uh, in these races uh, of putting himself in the right spot. But, but I would have to go with Colley. They, they seem to, to form up and team up well and, and get themselves in the right position a lot. And, and I look for that. I, I, so past Daytona and thinking about that, Jeff Burton made a great point the other day on our show that when he looks at the Xfinity championship and, and the playoff possibilities there, he said, I can't look at this and say that someone should be the favorite because right, right. nobody is really standing out week right. after week after week. You know, we saw Austin Dillon, or Austin Sendrick start out the year kind of like that. It looked like it was going to kind of be a runaway, but that hasn't been the case lately. So the, along with this race on Friday night, I think the championship's <laughs> up for grabs too. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Almendinger with the win at Michigan suddenly is right there yeah. with Sendrick. I mean, Sendrick is the defending series champion, I think is probably the guy who's going to get a lot of mention, but... I think you could put Almendinger right there with him and really, you know, anybody from the junior motorsports cars. Yeah. If a Harrison Burton kind of, you know, breaks out of the, the windless funk and, and starts going on a roll, I could, I, I think you could put anybody in that kind yeah, of Yeah, Justin sure. Allgaier too, uh, because yeah. he runs oh, yeah. so well at Phoenix if he can get to there. And, um, and just think about this, the opportunity for those guys outside the playoff picture on the Xfinity Series, guys, yeah. like, guys like Brandon Brown that we've seen yeah. in the playoffs before. And you mentioned it earlier, DJ. Think about what that does to his entire future and program mm -hmm. just getting into the playoffs in terms yeah. of funding and, and everything exposure that goes another with one it. Like Ryan Sieg, yes. another one who well. has such a tough season. Yeah. Yes, it would just, uh, just do wonders for him. Um, all right, we're going to switch back to the cup side of things, though, because we have got another cup driver on the phone, Ryan Priest. <laughs> hey, Ryan, how you guys doing? Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Yeah, no problem. It's cool, uh, it's cool to be on here. Usually I'm sitting down and watching you guys. 
<laughs> well, we appreciate that. Um, well, we keep talking about this last opportunity win in your end to get into the playoffs. Um, what's kind of been on your mind now as we near Daytona Saturday night under the lights? Who am I going to get to help to push me other than Ricky, right? It all comes <laughs> down to, to uh, having people help you, especially at super speedways. So, um, you know, I feel really good about it. I feel like we've had really strong super speedway cars and having Kroger and Coca-Cola on our Chevy this weekend uh, makes it that much better. So I'm looking forward to it. I really, I really enjoy the super speedway races. Um, we seem to always kind of, or we always seem to be in contention there at the end and, and, uh, Watching some film, Dale, you know, you know how it is racing. Never, any, every situation is always different, right? But you can, you can try to be as prepared as you can. So, uh, you know, going down the backstretch on the last lap, I think I know which lane I want to be in and hopefully it all works out. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, you can do it and have all the preparation there. It's just a matter if it lines up and you can find yourself in that right spot. So we had Tyler Reddick on earlier, and I asked him this question. I'm going to ask you the same thing because you're, you're racing now, and you're going to start a race with no practice with a completely different, uh, basically, aero and engine package uh, than what you've been running. Well, what do you anticipate happening with that? So I don't really know what to expect right now. Um, I think you can kind of take what we ran, um, I guess, a couple of years ago. But you could also, I, I mean, I'm not really sure if we're going to be tandeming or not, if, 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 if it's going to be difficult, if the runs are going to be nearly as big, or if they're going to be, you know, you're going to have to latch onto that guy in front of you. So uh, I've kind of just been watching a whole, a whole bunch of different races to, to anticipate um, really what to expect. But... I mean, either way, uh, the super speedway race, and it's all relatively kind of similar. You, you want to position yourself in the basically the top six uh, on that white flag lap, and, and uh, hopefully you have a good pusher, or you're that guy that's pushing, and you can duck out the last second. So um, I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, I, I feel like, Ryan, we owe you an apology because we just got asked by a caller, you know, who's somebody 20th or 30th in points who could win? And we didn't mention you, and we just put up the stat there. Three of your best five cup finishes are at, at Daytona. And, you know, two and a half years ago as a rookie, you nearly won the Daytona 500, um, if not for a couple maneuvers on that last lap. So, I mean, how good do you feel coming in this race and knowing that you, you've been in position to perhaps take the checkered flag at the World Center of Racing before? And, you know, how many, I guess, of those races do you kind of put those moves that you could have made that might have worked out in your memory bank and have that going into Saturday night? I think that rookie Daytona 500, I think about the last lap coming off of two quite often. Uh, that was when I was pushing Joey Logano, and and I committed to the bottom, and if I went to the top and protected my right side, we could have been talking about how I had a super speedway win. But um, really just uh, you learn from those from those mistakes or different opportunities and, and just go from there. But super speedway racing kind of reminds me of uh, the loud and modified races that we have. It's, it's a game of chess and, and positioning yourself to, to be in the right place at the right time. So uh, as much as you guys and, and we all talk about how much it is luck, it, it's, a lot of it is, is just seeing, seeing how the race is playing out and positioning yourself where you want to be. And, uh, you know, one thing I will say is we plan on racing hard the entire time, racing for stage points, and I'd rather be the guy ahead of the wrecks than behind them, that's for sure. <laughs> All right, Ryan, we've got a caller. Greg is on the phone with a question for you. Go ahead, Greg. Hello. I was wondering. 
It's great to be on with uh, Ms. Stavis and Mr. Priest and the erudite Mr. Um, Ryan and uh, Hall of Famer Dale Jarrett. What? When does your manufacturer allegiance evaporate during the race? Ah, <laughs> uh, that's a good question. I don't really know on that one. I don't really have much of an answer for you other than I know. Uh, I know I have to win, right? I think that that's really what it comes down to. So um, I'm just gonna do whatever I have to do to win that race. That's what it come. That's what I have to do. What, how, how has that manufacturer relationship, we've really seen that it seems like it's developed in the last few years where, <clears throat> excuse me, the manufacturers push for it more and more. <clears throat> are you and Chevy, are all the Chevy guys having a meeting at the track? Have you already had one? Are there phone calls? Yeah. Like, when does this planning and plotting start happening? So I haven't had a meeting yet. <laughs> so I don't, I don't really know of a meeting for, for us on the JTG side. Uh, when it comes to getting involved with them, um, you know, we haven't really heard anything on that. So uh, I think our plan is to go race and, and do whatever we have to do to, to contend and run up front right now. Okay, well, I'm just going to throw in my opinion here. There's two things that come to mind is that I would do whatever one of your owners, Brad Darty, said because he's the biggest guy out there at seven feet yeah. tall. So I, I would listen to Big Brad. And on the other side of that, in your situation, uh, I'm going to be 100% honest. Uh, any kind of deal like that would go out the window about the time that I hit the, the switch up to, to crank my car up because you're in a position you need to go win the race. And uh, uh, no disrespect to anybody else driving the Chevrolet, uh, which you're doing, uh, but you've got to win, and uh, you need their help. And uh, uh, go get it done, because I've seen you be in that position, and uh, hopefully you can be right there. Uh, you know, you might be the one coming out of the smoke uh, going into turn three uh, at the end of, or coming to get the, the checkered flag on Saturday night. Yeah, absolutely. Usually when my back's against the wall, I'm, uh, I'm swinging hard and, and going for it. So uh, hopefully... We can do exactly what you just said, be that guy out, out in front of the smoke instead of in it and, and win that race. It'd be cool to, uh, to have a trophy here with the uh, Daytona name on it. Hey, Ryan, you mentioned that your, your modified experience and prowess kind of helps in, in the drafting game here at Super Speedways. I'm just curious. You know, we, we talked about Kyle Larson. We just had a caller ask us about his versatility. Uh, do we sometimes underrate your versatility? Because I, I think you maybe deserve maybe more credit than we give you sometimes for your racing cup, but then you're also still racing modifieds as well. You won a truck race. Hey, do, do we give Ryan Priest enough credit as the, as the versatile driver that he is? You know what? Kyle Larson's earned that respect, and he has my respect for, for everything that... Um... That does, that's not a good sound. No. I, I know that that's, sound. That usually means the call is over. Yes. <laughs> maybe, maybe we exceeded our free 15 that's minutes. That's exactly okay. right. Yes. <laughs> we got him back. Ryan, are you back? We're working on it. Right. Say this to basically everybody I ever meet. I want to win in everything. I'm building a super late model. I want to go down to the Snowball Derby. I want to run the World Series of Asphalt or World Series of Asphalt stock car racing at New Smyrna in February. Um, you know, I've 
basically in my racing career i've wanted everything i've gotten so i'm going to continue to try and do that i've done it in a truck i've done it in an xfinity car i want to do it in a cup car uh i just want to win i want to be that guy that you guys remember as a winner and, and i'm going to continue uh doing whatever it takes to do that we had some uh, technical difficulties, so I apologize for that, and we lost a, a little bit of what you said. But, Ryan, I wanted to ask you, on that note, um, you know, Connor Daly ran the, the BC39 race at, in Indy last week, and he talked about um, how running the dirt helped him with oval. So I, I'm just wondering, you know, how much of there is there a challenge switching car to car, and how much, is, how much does it help experience in, in so many different um, you know, mediums on anything that you do? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, obviously midgets are super light. They're probably about eight, 900 pounds and, and you can really throw them around. Uh, and, and then you add dirt on top of that. You're, you got to maneuver around. You got to, you know, I haven't run dirt in a long time, but, uh, you need to, to know when they're to look for grip and search for grip, which I feel like modified to a certain extent have that. The only difference is, is we aren't picking up you know, six, seven, tenths when we find grip. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, being versatile, whether it's racing midgets, sprint cars, uh, modifieds, late models, or road racing, I mean, you guys see it now. Uh, the Cup Series is is getting more and more road courses, and I think that's going to be a, a different art that you're going to have to be able to uh, to master. So, um, yeah, I think if you're if you're a good race, if you want to be a great race car driver, you've got to be good at everything. All right, we've got another caller on the phone line for you. Brooklyn, go ahead. You're on with Ryan Priest. Hey, Ryan. Nice to have you on the show. Um, I wanted to ask you. So, basically, the Daytona 500, you had to get in on speed or make it through the duels. You have no pressure this time, but there's a different kind of pressure. It's to make the playoffs. So, what are your thoughts going into Daytona? Because I think a lot of people know by now that Daytona is just another word for chaos. So what are your thoughts going into that race? Well, I like pressure. I'm, I'm okay with it. So I guess, uh, I guess you putting it like that, uh, the pressure to make the playoffs is a good thing. And um, really, a lot of the credit goes to Trent Owens and JTG and, and everybody there that's brought the speed that they have at the Super Speedways um, this past year. I had, I've had i had two phenomenal race cars between Daytona and Talladega, and, and just different circumstances has held us from getting those top fives or top threes or even talking about a win right now. But I feel, uh, I feel very confident that, um, you know, as a race car driver, when you have a fast race car, uh, you can kind of plan your moves and, and strategize how you want to you want to you want the race to play out for you. So I feel like knowing that my car is going to be really fast, uh, I can I can really be aggressive and put myself put myself in a uh, in aggressive positions and be on the offense the majority of the race. So I feel really good about it. All right, thank you, Brooklyn. Next up, we have Chandler. Hi, Chandler. What's your question? Thank you. Um, Ryan, great to talk to you, man. Um, I'm wishing you all the best of luck coming this Saturday at Daytona. Um, Thanks. You're welcome. Um, my question <laughs> for you is, is that at Nashville, you made your very first Truck Series debut, and you got your very first win, and then you went to Pocono in the Truck Series for this ninth, which I think that's incredible. Great job on that. So 
Is there a slight possibility that you're going to go to another truck series race later this year? Uh, due to the rules, I can't uh, because they've started the playoffs, and I don't believe a cup series driver can do that. I think we all saw that when Ross tried to run Watkins Glen. Um, but, uh, yeah, so no, I won't be. Well, it's still so much fun watching you win in the trucks. Uh, yeah. Just really, really cool to see you back in victory lane. So we enjoyed it. I know you did as well. And, Ryan, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for joining us, and good luck in Daytona. Yeah, thanks. Hopefully uh, I can be throwing that trophy over my head, right? That would be pretty, pretty, pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> All right. Thanks again to Ryan Priest. Coming up next, we've got the Bagman. Mike Bagley will be joining us. Stay with us. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. We've got an action-packed couple of days coming up from Daytona. It kicks off Friday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, countdown to green on NBCSN with the Xfinity Series race to follow. Then you won't want to miss that Chase Elliott documentary. I can't wait to see that. That'll be at Saturday, 5 p.m. Eastern, leading in to Cup Series. NASCAR countdown to green, again, NBCSN, and then the big show, 7 p.m. on The Big Bird on NBC. That will be the final regular season race of the season. All right, look who we've got, the Bagman, Mike Bagley from Sirius XM NASCAR Radio and a part-timer here with NASCAR on NBC. So good to see you again. Mike, I bet you're, I bet you're as excited as I am to get down to Daytona for this one. Oh, I can't wait. I love going to Daytona. Obviously, we love going there for the 500. But ever since we have moved this race to this position on the schedule, I've loved it even more. Loved going there in July, and then now we're able to go back and decide the regular season champion and see if there's anybody that can launch one last ball for the end zone and maybe get that Hail Mary and get in the playoffs. It's going to be a fun night, and uh, I can't wait to get there. So, Mike, in your week uh, here leading up to the race and talking to the fans and, and getting their opinions on things, do they have kind of a favorite so far as to who might be that person that gets in and, and fills out the, the playoff schedule uh, or playoff uh, 16 drivers? Well, no, not really. And isn't that the beauty of it, though? I mean, so many races we go into, we kind of know what to expect. Uh, we kind of have an idea about what we're going to see Saturday night. But everybody, I think, is holding on to that possibility, that last grain or that last thread of hope that perhaps maybe there's going to be 
a surprise winner. There's about what a half a dozen or what a dozen, dozen and a half guys that uh, can get into the playoffs if they win. So I'm sure that they'll be pulling for some underdogs. But I think that when we get down to this one, we're going to see the cast of characters that we normally see if the big one doesn't take those out along the way, which we all know going to Daytona is a strong possibility. Definitely, Bags. Uh, no big one at Michigan, but lots of people saying that that felt like an old school super speedway race. Uh, I know how much you love super speedway racing, whether it's Talladega or Daytona. <laughs> did, did Michigan give you a little bit of a warm up for uh, Saturday night and, and what you'll be watching, what we'll all be seeing and you'll be calling uh, for 400 miles? It did a little bit. Um, it was interesting to see that the longest lead I think anybody had Sunday at Michigan was Kyle Busch and we were cycling through green flag pit stops. But then when we got back around to everybody getting bunched up again and all restarts, I don't think the leaders were able to get away much more than four or five car lengths, maybe. Um, and it did give us that feel. The runs coming out of two. Of course, they'll be much more pronounced coming up this weekend at Daytona. But, yep, you know me, Nate. I'm a big fan of Daytona. <laughs> I'm even a bigger fan of Talladega, man. I love me some Daytona and Talladega. <laughs> Well, I have a question for you. We, Ryan Blaney, of course, the most recent winner from there at Michigan. And it, people talk about momentum, and certainly that win will help him build some going into the playoffs. But is, can you carry momentum into a place like Daytona, do you think? Is there such a thing when you get to the super speedway racing? It's funny you bring that up because Pete and I talk about this a lot on TMD, on Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. I'm not a believer in momentum. I'm a believer in confidence because the car doesn't know that another car in the fleet won last week. You're dependent on that car. You are dependent on obviously what the car can give you and what you're able to maximize out of that car. I'm a huge fan of, of confidence and I think Ryan Blaney has that. Who would have thought that after 25 races that Ryan Blaney would be the only Ford driver to have two wins and Kevin Harvick would have none. Brad Keselowski, Joey Logano would have one. And I think Ryan Blaney, we talked about this morning a little bit on TMD. I think Ryan Blaney gets overlooked a lot based on his demeanor. He's not an in-your-face kind of guy. He's not outgoing and gregarious. Yeah, he's got that sly sense of humor, and he's a, just a cool dude to be around. But I think Ryan gets overlooked a lot. If they can get the Fords right over there at Penske, him and Todd Gordon are clicking. I think Todd's got a little something to prove. He's coming to the end of the crew chiefing road at the end of the year. Maybe Ryan Blaney, once the playoffs start at Darlington, could be, could, be the, could be the sleeper in this thing. They could be the dark horse, and maybe they can start making some strides in momentum. But I am a believer in confidence, and I think Ryan Blaney's got a lot of that coming into uh, Daytona this weekend. Well, what, tell me this, then, and what you're saying there. Uh, two drivers that won 16 races between them last year, Kevin Harvick, nine, Denny Hamlin, seven. What are their cars saying about them and their confidence? <laughs> that they both have zero so far. I'm sorry. Because <laughs> it doesn't look like those cars have been able to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with those Hendrick Chevrolets. Isn't that the head-scratcher? Who would have thought we'd be after race 25? The guys that won half the schedule last year, or half the races, just about, Windless so far, and really, in the case of Kevin Harvick, unless something happens, I don't see him pulling off a win. Denny Hamlin, we all know he's great when he goes to Daytona, but can he milk a little more out of that this coming weekend and get his first win of the year? I think in order to do that, he's going to have to get through a lot of other drivers, Ryan Blaney being one of them, the Hendrick guys being others, and then there's that long shot possibility that everyone's hoping for. We'll see. We'll see what happens, but... I don't know. My confidence level is low in those two drivers heading into this weekend and even into the playoffs when we get going at Darlington. 
Yeah, uh, so much to predict there, Bagman. I'm going to look at the history, though. Uh, the first race I ever covered at Daytona, just telling these guys this earlier, July 2001, uh, won by Dale Jr. The NASCAR NBC guest on your SiriusXM program today was Dale Jr. I understand he talked about that. That still really resonates with NASCAR Nation, doesn't it? And it still resonates with him. We got an emotional response, and he walked us through the snapshots of his of his mind and his recollection as he was going to the end of that race. And I still reflect back on that moment. You know, there are there are moments that you can list on one hand that could be considered seminal moments in this sport. And in my opinion, based on what we had in February of 2001, him coming back to Daytona in July of 2001 and winning was one of those moments. It gave us permission to be to be happy again and 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 to and to celebrate. Little did we know that that emotion that Dale Earnhardt Jr. brought us out of after February would ultimately carry us through another emotional moment in September when he won at Daytona or when he won at Dover when we came back after uh, the 9-11 break. Well, someone's going to have their own big moment to someone's Xfinity and Cup at at Daytona this weekend. It all kicks off Friday night, 7 p.m. Eastern on NBCSN. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.